on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC reality check, and you don't see my pretty sexy face, so you know I'm not alone. More NXT stuff, so guess who we've got? The one, the only. Countdown ended, Jake DeMarco, that's right. I didn't get paid as much as Jim Carrey did for Batman Forever, which was $20 million. Holy, wow. That's, I wouldn't have said no to that either. That's a... That's a very interesting way to let everybody know we were talking about Batman before we started recording. That's right. But think about it. He got paid $20 million for that. The Cable Guy, Liar Liar, Me, Myself, Irene, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and Yes Man. So that what you're saying insane. is Jim Carrey is going to buy AEW. I would, I would think you might have a great bet for that to happen. Tony Khan runs out of money, and after betting on too many, uh, you know illicit activities and from there what do you know jim carrey bails the day and instead of it's wednesday you know what that means every episode of dynamite starts off with all righty then <laughs> let me show you something all right so we're not actually here to talk about jim carrey's bank account we're here to talk about more nxt stuff we're starting another new series for those of you that have been paying attention on the channel so far, Jake and I have done a pretty decent three-part rundown on the women's division of NXT. Guapo and I came back in kind, to be fair, and did a two-part series on the tag team division of AEW. We're here to talk about the cruiserweight division, because Jake, you and I have talked about for a long time, one of the huge success stories of NXT since coming to regular TV was their adoption of the cruiserweight championship. Yeah, their addition of... Well, theft, really, but they took the Cruiserweight title, made it their own, and although they didn't stop 205 Live from existing, they did procure most of their talent to compete on the NXT roster, and they weren't getting the shine or recognition they deserved on Raw because of how they were showcased. They would come out at the 10 o'clock hour every week, and the announcers would treat them like Cirque du Soleil, being like, look, they can do flips and stuff. Isn't this great? And then the matches would end in three minutes or some silly DQ, no contest, BS ending. And then there would be no feuds or stories or any bit of character-driven you know, driven content. So there, you just didn't care about them. And then 205 Live was actually a great show for quite some time. But people weren't staying to watch it live. I was going to say, the problem is it so wasn't its own show. Smackdown. Yeah, and it, it just it didn't have its own thing. So it never got the recognition it deserved. So thankfully, they were able to make something worthwhile out of the division. I mean, they film it right now at the CWC, but when uh, before the world was, uh, you know, shut down in in the before time, in the long, long ago, it was always being filmed right after SmackDown, and nobody was sticking around for it, including myself when I sent you guys the picture of the tarps, and then they said they were gonna you know, switch it and film it before SmackDown instead. And my immediate reaction was nobody's going to be there. Nobody's going to come to the arena an hour earlier for 205 yeah, Live. Yeah, people are either going to show tickets. up later or they're going to leave early. That's all there is to it because you're still not giving them a reason to watch. And I'll tell you what, when Joe and I went to SmackDown that night when Gronk was there and AJ and uh, Shane McMahon were fighting before their WrestleMania build and all that stuff, they put Shane... You know, got put through the announce table or vice versa. And, you know, all this great stuff's going on. The best thing we saw that entire night was a match with Mustafa Ali yeah. on on the 205 Live segment. And I forget who he faced. I think it was Dorado. I'm not sure. Actually, no, it was Neville. He was still the Cruiserweight champion. Neville was. And let me tell you, Spaz, that was probably one of my best memories in wrestling from that year. That's how stellar that match was. But people were barely invested in watching around us. And I'm like, this is wrestling. What are you guys doing? It wasn't all just, you know, monkey spots and flipping around and crazy stuff. It was great, great story in this match as well. Really cool title defense. And Ali's great as well, as you know. So I was so thankful NXT utilized them in a better fashion. And now with the Shawn Michaels surprise last night. Oh, my, my God. My God. That was emotionally how, incredible how long have we been saying that the one thing that's going to have to happen in in the cruiserweight division is devlin is going to have to come back and address the fact that there's two uh 
two cruiserweight champions right now. And Shawn Michaels, I don't know why people are crapping on this. Oh, just another old guy taking up the time slot. It's like, no, he came in. He's got history with a ladder match. He basically, like, saw what was happening in the ring, tossed them a ladder, gave them sort of the, the salute, the, you know, the nod of approval, didn't say a word, and now we're going to get a great match. Now, some people's opinion of Jordan Devlin notwithstanding, this is going to be great. This is going to be great. We've been waiting for this for quite some time. Takeover in general. We're, we're going to obviously preview Takeover next week, and it's going to be a long pod, I think. But we're Absolutely. not... But, but like you said, Sean here is, is known specifically for you know ladder matches. That's one of his fortes. Mr. WrestleMania, you know, Christ, the ladder matches he's had... That's well, specific, the specifically the ladder match with Razor Ramon when there oh, were absolutely. two when there At were two Interco- when there were two Intercontinental Champions and they had to unify them. They had to have the undisputed champion. This is the mirror situation. And is everybody saying, "Oh, are you saying these guys are as good as Shawn Michaels?" Maybe not, but the situation is a mirror. And for him to, we know he, we know he's involved in NXT. That's no secret. Right. Santos Escobar isn't far away from what Shawn is. Right, for sure. And and Devlin is, is in a slightly different way. Devlin is mini Balor. Like, if Balor was yeah. a little more high-flying, he'd be Devlin. Or if Devlin was a little bit older, he'd be Balor. But I think, like, the the slightest, quietest sort of, like, nod of respect from Shawn Michaels is a huge thing. That's a huge thing for two guys That's like this. That's massive for them to have him not only give them that, you know, utmost respect, but then to also go ahead and present them with, here's my tool to trade. This is the best way to solve your feud. Now get it done. That's so impactful. That's got so much well, it's, emotion. It's that simple message of, like, here's one of these things that I'm known for. I bet you guys could kick ass with this. And it's not like, And it's not like he even cut, like, Right now, typically, if you get Shawn Michaels, he's got some some really like some a little bit of haha, a little bit of self-deprecating humor, and hey, let me tell you about these guys you're about to see. There was none of that. It no. was a it was a quick tip of the hat, and I thought it was so cool, and I couldn't believe the amount of people that that like want to be down on stuff that were down on that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, can you tell me the match is going to be bad? No, you can't. So fuck off. Anyways, exactly. so we're gonna and we're that's treating the thing that people forget. We're treating this one a little bit differently than we did with the women's division of NXT, because women's division of NXT is massive, and we took our time talking about that. We're sort of flipping the script this time around and saying, look, there's there's a title here. There's the potential for a division here. Let's add a couple more names. Now, what I've, what I've done here is I've assembled a list. Jake already has seen it. There's no surprises this time. This isn't like me pitching a fix to NXT where I didn't tell him anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got some names on here that are sort of from all over the place. Some from the main roster that I want to bring back to NXT. Some in Impact or AEW that I would like to see on the NXT side. Some that just haven't been seen at all in the past little while. So it's a nice little mix. And there are a few on here that I'm going to bring them over because they're associated with such and such, and we're going to, I think, inconsequentially, by adding these people to the Cruiserweight division, we're going to be adding to other divisions as we go. But these are just some people that I would like to see uh, on the black and gold brand as part of that Cruiserweight division that I think could make it a lot of fun. And the first one is pretty damn simple, because we've already kind of seen it this year uh, when we first started off the Dusty Classic, and that's... The Lucha House Party, but when I say the Lucha House Party, I say all three of them, Grand Metalik, um, Lince Dorado, and Kalisto, because I don't know why Kalisto wasn't brought in before. Uh, I don't think necessarily, like, top of the card, but these are all, like, solid, in-hand people that, if you're not going to push them as individuals or a team themselves, they could be instrumental in developing whoever you do want to be at the top of that division. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Kalisto specifically, actually. Like, I don't know how... I mean, I know he was brought in initially as a tag team partner for Sin Cara, and that sort of went to the wayside. And then we did the Lucha House Party, as we know them on the main roster. A lot of a lot of comedy, you know, with the noisemakers and the, and yeah, the pinatas the, and, the, and what, that kind of thing. The but, Mexican garb that they had to, you know, traditionalize them with and make them, you know, stereotypical as possible... They do it with everybody, but 
that was always a disappointment. Now, these three can go. We've always known that. You know, when they, they took on, uh, I think it was the, which Rumble was it? They had a six-man tag against TJP, Gulak, and Gallagher, Gallagher, however you say his name. Yep. And uh, that was a hell of a match. That oh, Gentleman, gentleman Jack. Yep. At that point in time. And I, you know, the thing is, Kalisto's never been someone that I've I've been enamored with, but Grand Metalik, he's never disappointed from what I've seen. And Lince Dorado has a lot of promise too, especially as a solo star. These guys, I mean, the lucha style they rely heavily on, which isn't always for me, but they they can deliver and they can be entertaining, and even more so, they're over with the younger audience. So. These guys are money if utilized right. I was going to say, like, if you did go the, and I don't want to bring a whole, you know me, I don't want to bring a whole lot of cheesy elements to NXT. I think the cheesy elements they do have, they pull off the right way, but I think you can overdo that. But if you are you do talking want, like cow zones or moot sticks? What are we going with here? We're kind of oh, cheesy. Oh, dear. Well, cheesy okay. bread? A, a critical person would come to me and say, well, you like Shotzi Blackheart. What's the deal with the cheesy tank? Like, that kind of thing. Like, I think String they... String cheese? Oh my god. Dick cheese. Anyways. <laughs> no, but oh like god, I, I like no, I, I don't get what you're saying. People have like, oh, why is that so but the but the tank works for me because of the backstory for it. They of explained course. it. And, but like there's things that don't exactly float my boat all the time, like Dexter Loomis, I find to be a cheesy one dimensional character, but there's there yes. are other people out there. But he's one not being utilized or handled right because they could have a serial killer gimmick. This one's just yeah. not the right way to do it. But see, here's my thing, though, and here's where here's where I take a step back, though, and I do say, because I wouldn't say NXT is as directed at kids as main roster WWE by a long shot. So if they did want to bring the Lucha House Party in just to be something fun, something flashy, colorful, a little cartoony, and, like, they could be, like, that one thing at NXT that sort of might be for kids... I could I could I could get into that. I could I could be okay with that. It's like okay, this is the one part of the show that's maybe not directed at me, but somebody else is really getting something out of it. But the other side of the coin is uh Lince and and uh Grand Metalik, we saw them in the Cruiserweight Classic. And oh, that's there, right. I always forget about that too. There was nothing there was nothing funny or cheesy about them in the Cruiserweight Classic. I was I was happy just because like Luchadors has never been a thing that's been like overly done in WWE. You got Rey Mysterio in there for like years and years and years and there. We have a luchador. What's did they not compete here? in the Dusty Classic as well? Uh, they did this year. I think they went out first or second round to... But uh, still, they were they were not yeah. joking around then. Well, yeah. Well, they were they were brought onto the NXT TV just to feud with, uh, with Wild and Mendoza for a little bit and they were... Yeah. They still came out. They still had, like, sort of the happy, upbeat music, and they were, like, a little bit celebratory with the crowd, but not nearly to the level they were that they are on the main roster. And, like I say... But you figure they were still on the main roster at this point, just brought in to fill out things, because Metalik and Dorado were drafted to Raw. Kalisto, obviously, is not with the group anymore, but then they frame him with the group in NXT, and so you don't know which end is up or what, but... Yeah, I did like the fact that they brought them in specifically because they were able to enhance uh phantasma's style obviously they know that style well that's well. that's a fact you know santos and, and everyone you know it's just been wild and, been great and, I, well, th and I, th I thought that would have been a slam dunk to to reunite them with Kalisto and have that that's a trios match waiting to happen it is i see that um, but no, like to my example of if you're not going to feature them specifically, you can definitely uh, have them as sort of, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm putting them down, but like in-ring mechanics or, or building blocks type thing. Like you could have uh, on the Go Home episode of NXT, we've got Devlin versus Escobar coming up soon. You could have Devlin have, have a match with Lince Dorado just to be like, hey, let me show you what I'm going to do to you next Thursday. And then, you know, the other one takes on Escobar. It's like, oh, yeah, well, let me show you how fast I beat this guy. And they could be just the guys in there to make other people look. They could be the Lucha Zigglers. <laughs> for, yeah, for Lucha NXT. Zigglers, I like that. But, like, and and I have to keep saying, like, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but, like, no, it takes no. a certain thing to do that. You don't, If you're not the main event, if you can at least be part of making that main event look good you are in fact serving a role in and of themselves so i think any one of them individually is is a great uh contribution to the cruiserweight division but to have them there as sort of a loosely defined unit 
to have some trios matches, to have some tag matches, to maybe get in the tag picture as well. Uh, I think you get a lot of different, uh, a lot of different benefits from the Lucha House Party, and it's something you don't have to make super serious. Because there, one criticism that NXT gets quite a lot, and especially leading into this particular pay-per-view, everything is serious. Cross and Balor is serious. Cole yeah, everything and, has that very tense, tense, gritty, serious, gritty, like uh, gr- grit your teeth, yes. um, feel to it. Um, it might be good for NXT, and, and I'm trying to be objective as I can because I'm biased. Everything's very consequential and finite. Yeah, but everything everything has a has a high intensity and everything's a high stake yes. all the time. It might be it might do some might do some good, and I'm saying this carefully to have something a little bit silly to break that up a little bit. I yeah, think, not I think, full on comedy angle, but yeah. have an angle that features a little bit of comedy. Yeah, I think you get that. I think a lot of people are getting that from Grimes right now. I get that from right now Shotzi and Ember, who are a legitimate like set of champions, but also they look like they're having a good time. And like the to to a lesser extent, the Gargano family stuff. Like they're we all we know they're all great wrestlers, but they're also they're having a good time, and that breaks up. You know, friggin' Ka, Cole and O'Reilly sounding like they're choking on their words as they try to cut a promo on each other. So yeah, I think exactly. I think it, I think as as well as their the skills they can bring to the ring, the skills that are being completely wasted on the main roster, it could bring some levity to the show as well. And I think that's going to go underappreciated. No doubt about it. Sadly. Okay, gonna. It's sort of an. X WWE thing, but more of a Impact thing. I've been watching a little bit of Impact every here and there, just because of the ties with AEW and some of the stuff that's going on there. We had TJP coming off the first ever Cruiserweight Classic, who yeah. like TJ Perkins became TJP, and then you realize that he played Suicide and Manic when he was yeah, in. And it's Impact. funny with the Suicide thing too, because. The the way that they wanted to go ahead and bring this on was just a video game character that TNA had inside. I forget which game it was. It was one of their... Uh, oh, that's it right. TNA it was just like a Impact. random playable character, and then they wanted to bring it to life. And Loki was actually the voice. And then it became so popular that people in TNA just started being like, oh, let's, let's you know turn this into a match. And he was... Um, Played by a bunch of different people throughout the years. I was going to say, uh, Daniels was suicide at one point. Kazarian was suicide at one point. Yep. And then in the sort of Hulk Hogan era... Eric Young. Was it Eric Young as well? He had a mask briefly, I guess it says here. So did... um, Let's see, there's a few others. Wow, it's pretty crazy, but... Uh... T.J. Perkins, obviously. Yeah. And then post that, they did, um, what's his name? The guy that was the real jerk to work with. Uh, I mean, oh, I always forget his name. a lot name. of people in the wrestling business. Yeah, he was in 205 Live. He was the Cruiserweight Champion. Austin Aries. Oh. See, um, I like Austin He was Aries. under the suicide mask at one point in time, too, I believe, too. That was like a... Actually, that's somebody I'm surprised I didn't put on the list, because I, I would love to see Austin Aries back. Like, he might be I mean, He was always great in the ring, but my God, was he just... Oh, he's an, an asshole, asshole on social. He, push, with, he pushes so. all of his, like, social agendas on social media and all that, and I don't agree with anything he says. And I even met him, and he was kind of a dick when I met him. Uh, at Destiny, check it off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list. I saw... Here, here's one for you. I got I got this for you right here right now. Pete Dunne versus Austin Aries versus James Ellsworth. Jesus. In a triple threat match for the Destiny Championship. Wow. Because James Ellsworth won a battle royal at the beginning of the night, which was like there. It was the cash it in briefcase. Oh, you know, I, I swear I heard you mention this at some point. Probably. Right. Well, because it was initially marketed obviously as Pete Dunne versus Austin Aries, which. Yeah. Whether you like the guys or not, that match sells itself. Oh, no doubt about it, and there's a reason for it. So, but, uh, but I like I like T.J. Perkins' run in WWE. He did really, really well. Because with... he literally was a video game character when they brought him to well, the that, main roster. That music felt. and everything. And they had him, you know, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I, he he does the you know the attack on Austin Aries, and it's like now he's 
teaming up with Neville and turning heel, and he changes his name just to TJP, and then from there they just didn't know what to do with him, and, and eventually he was released. You know, and, and that was three years worth of just not knowing how to handle him. He was he was one of the first, if not the first, cruiserweight champion, I, I believe. He was one of the ones up there. Yeah. And he did really, really well. Well, he, he was the first cruiserweight champion because he won the CWC. Yeah. And because uh, that was that, that's what it was. He won. He won the contest. I, I knew there was something to it. And I was remember, like, they wow, never, was, they I never told us. By him. They never told us that there was going to be a championship or a division. We thought this was just this sort of like outside thing. And then Triple H presented him with the belt. And if it hadn't been like the, the grape flavored fruit roll up, like that would have been a that would have been a big thing. Yeah, it you would know, have been a great thing because I forgot about the cruiserweight championship at first there because he defeated Tyler Bate in the first round. Yep. And then he beat Cedric Alexander in the quarterfinals, and then that was that. That was the uh, the please sign Cedric moment. Yep, yep. And then after that, he had many feuds with like Lucha House Party and Kalisto and Metalik and Lince Dorado. Yeah. And then he was he got an alliance with Mike and Maria briefly, and then it's like, all right, we got Worlds Collide. He gets taken out by Dijakovic, and then shortly after that, he loses to Humberto Carrillo, and we don't see him again. His contract runs out. At least now he's doing better in Impact, but he was someone that I would love to see back on the NXT cruiserweight side of things. They could they could really bolster their division with him being added. He's got a lot of star power as a face and heel. There's one other person here that I also haven't put on this list, and it's kind of funny because we just got his two friends in the form of MSK, but the third member of the Rascals is another person that I saw at Destiny, Chad uh, Spaz Phoenix Bucket List twice, and that's Trey Miguel. And I've seen these two guys tear it up recently on Impact. I would love to see that recreated in NXT. I would love to have Trey Miguel on over there with his MSK buddies as well, but I think he's sort of carving himself a different path on Impact now. But I don't know what you think about this, because especially recently, when you have sort of dualities like Bray Wyatt and The Fiend, we have dualities like uh, Balor and obviously The Demon, I wouldn't mind, because it's something different for a cruiserweight division. It's something different for, I mean, I don't know how you would ever do it in a tag team division. It would be totally insane. But I wouldn't mind this, like, three faces of TJP, like TJP and Manic, and Suicide. I don't know how that would play in a specifically cruiserweight division other than if you established, like, TJP is just, like, base level, and then, you know, if it's a really high-pressure situation, he becomes Manic, and if it's a really raging feud, it becomes Suicide, and, like, you gradually, like, ramp up the either, either the high-risk or the high-intensity. Like, if you, could, if you could establish a difference... Because Finn Balor is is the example. I'm not going to go with The Fiend right now because The Fiend is kind of crispy right now. It's fine. But Balor fights differently when he's the when he's the demon. Like, there is a genuine... There is like, a difference in style, There is a genuine personality ferocity. change there. And I, and I do see that yeah. with, with the brief glimpses, especially recently, that I've seen on Impact when he's taken on the, the, the monikers of Manic and or Suicide. I would love to bring... Because that's not just an in-ring thing. That's a that's a character building thing. That's a story arc that you could have with a couple of people. That's a oh you don't want to crank this up to the next level, you know. Business just picked up, as 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 Jr. would say. Uh, I think bringing an element like that to a specific division, like the cruiserweight division, could have a really cool effect. And Absolutely. I think there's a lot of different psychological ways you could go with that. You could replay what they've done in Impact where, oh my god, I think Suicide is TJP, and then somebody else puts the hood on, and then TJP, yeah, and, TJP and Suicide have a match against somebody, but then you do like you do the Hulk Hogan, Mr. America thing, you know, the wink and the yeah. nod, maybe lift up the mask and wink at the crowd, or... Like, there's so much cool things you can play with with that, and that's a storytelling tool. Like I say, it's a, it's a character tool. It's a, it's a huge credit to him to basically play three characters. I am, I'm loath to, com- to make the Mick Foley comparison, because I think that's a really high standard to set. But it could be the 2021 cruiserweight version of that, and I think something that diverse and flexible, again, would, would lighten up NXT a little bit 
And it again, certainly would. And with Lucha House Party, we're trying to lighten up NXT a little bit. With TJP Suicide Manic, we're trying to lighten up NXT a little bit, do something a little bit more creative, a little more outside the box. What could be more outside the box than me reaching over into Impact one more time and picking out Crazy Steve? <laughs> Crazy Steve! Now, as I said before, I'm bringing people in so that I can also bring in other people. Uh, with with the arrival of Crazy Steve, I would obviously want to bring over Rosemary, who would be another completely different element to contribute to the women's division. I would also... I don't know how recently you've watched Impact. Uh, it's been a while. The only thing I've seen is what it happens to do with AEW. I have just... I, I can't get myself back into Impact. Have you... Once. Have you seen Black Taurus? Yes. The big, huge fucker that's with, that's yeah, with, with Crazy DK. Steve. Can you imagine Crazy Steve walking around with the Cruiserweight Championship with this big, massive, like, literal man-beast watching his back? I can see back? it working, and not because, like, oh, NXT is God, they do everything. No, but I think they know what they have for their talent and what they have for their strengths. And Impact never focused on Crazy Steve's strengths, which is his outlandish character. Yeah. Well, they did back in the day. and, and They I, did briefly when they had the feud with the Hardys and stuff, and it started to get them over big, and then they focused again on Abyss and the female version, I forget what her name is, and they put Crazy Steve back in the background, and, and it just kind of floundered. Are you talking about uh, Rosemary, the one that was yeah, with? Yeah, Rosemary. Yeah. Here we go. Because I, I think I think she's a lot. Like obviously, it's me. I like those kind of characters. Anyway, give me Demon Finn Balor. Give me the Fiend, even with the cock fingers. Give me the boogeyman. <laughs> give me the boogeyman. Give me Mordecai and Kevin Thorne from back in the day. Give me all those characters. The fact Thanks that I like, Christmas. the fact that I like Decay isn't going to surprise anybody, right? No, I but think like, so. But like, can you like, can you imagine that they make their arrival, and then you have some random scene where, okay, Rosemary gets a shot at the women's title, Crazy Steve gets his hands on the cruiserweight championship <laughs> somehow, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like Black Taurus like busts down Johnny Gargano's door, and Johnny Gargano shits himself. Just right there, just because as a lot of people have said, Black Taurus or it's either Taurus or Taurus depending on how you pronounce it, but they're basically saying that it's El Torito all grown up. Oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> but I don't I don't know how he fights with the mask on. Anyways, that's not the point. He's not a cruiser. Yeah, but Black Taurus is an impressive specimen. But Crazy Steve, going back, I mean, he worked, made his debut in wrestling in, in what, 2003? And then so, yeah. all the way up until 2014, worked for GCW, and, and just a long time to be in the same independent circuit. Finally makes it to... Impact starts off in the Menagerie and then gets into Decay. Decay with the Hardys is where they really got to excel. You know, first they they start having this great feud with Beer Money, then they you know take out Jeff Hardy and James Storm, and then they get involved with Matt and the Broken stuff and all of that. And then he basically left Impact slowly after you know well, not long right. after the, the Hardys the, did. The second the second final deletion was Deleter Decay. Yeah. And you know and what? And they're, and they're characters that are, you know, we, we said last year during Halloween Havoc, um, I don't really like Grimes, I don't really like Loomis, but this Haunted House match that they're going to have seems like all the pieces are going to fit together because Loomis is trying to be this serial killer or whatever. Like, look at something like Decay. Decay was perfect for something like the, the broken universe that Matt Hardy had created. Now, Absolutely. I'm not saying I want to force more cinematic matches, especially on NXT. But you you can have those creepy, weird element things, and it doesn't always have to be two guys in black trunks having a five-star match at the Tokyo Dome, brother. <laughs> like, it does have to be a variety show, and I like the fucked-up shit. And I want to see Rosemary, like, step on Shotzi's tank or something. <laughs> like Something interesting. And something fun. But not to the point where it's so fantastical. No. At least for me. Like, if if something makes sense and it's unrealistic, but but you can see why they were heading to that assumption or that point, then I'm okay with it. But yeah. when you go ahead and you get the total bullshit where it's just like, oh, we did this just like the other night with Alexa throwing fireballs into Randy's face and all that. Nothing about 
what she's been explained to be able to do, you know, makes sense. And it just, it was just done because lazy booking. But can, you, can, can, you, can you imagine Rosemary and Black Taurus versus Alexa Bliss and The Fiend? It would it would be good, I bet. But, I bet um, you'd be damn good. No, the thing the thing that I love about the weird character is, and I'm using that as sort of a, a broad spectrum, is because it's as much the opponents as it is them. Because you're going to get the chicken shit heels that are going to do the comic, the comical chase around the ring. You're going to get sort of like the more intense, like we said before, like the grit your teeth kind of people, like getting all perplexed and trying to figure them out and whatnot. And uh, I'd be, it's one of those things where like you look at the monster, but a little bit of you is like watching other people looking at the monster. And and again, I don't think that's something that we have a whole lot of in NXT. They're trying a little too hard on the main roster right now with some of that stuff. And, I mean, Braun Strowman has a choo-choo chain sound now. Like, can we talk about that for a second? Um, I don't know. This is, it's not going to, like I say, it's not going to be five-star matches for the Cruiserweight Championship necessarily. I just think for the wrestling is supposed to be a variety show aspect of it. Um, it'd be a fun addition. And like I said, with Crazy Steve comes two other additions for two of your other rosters. Either you got an addition to the heavyweight division or the two of them become an addition to the tag team division. She, sorry, excuse me. She comes in, (laughs) she, she, uh, adds herself to the women's division. Like there's a lot of, as we go through this, this is going to be three episodes. There's a lot of people that I'm going to mention that also bring other people with them yeah I, I don't know the right not that they're they have baggage that's not what we're trying to say po- but, positive you know, baggage positive yeah, baggage but they have a, a plus one obviously so most times one. well any any one member of the lucha house party brings two other members with them like if you want to look at it well, that way they could put their whole family in that suitcase but we can store them safely in the overhead compartment <laughs> <laughs> i'm a terrible person and i'm probably going to hell now we're going a little bit wacky we're going a little bit cool we're going you know multiple personalities we're going crazy people we're going big bulls we're going luchadors how about we go back down and simplify it and just bring in a hell of a good wrestler who's mostly i I couldn't be more excited for mostly known as a tag team guy but i've always been curious to see what he does as a singles guy especially because he's so fucking animated bring in dawkins if you want but give me montez ford specifically in the cruiserweight division and let's see him doing some one-on-one shit if Leo Rush was still in NXT, this match should have already happened by now. Oh, I wish he was. And and even Leon Ruff, uh, you For know, sure. basically the same person, but they can go ahead and have those <laughs> matches as well. I could I could totally see that working, but Montez, my god. I mean, they were great in NXT, but like I know, I will say although I I love I, like I love said, Dawkins Dawkins is fantastic. He's yep. the bigger guy, so that's what people, you know, people. And, and he plays that role for. well. Let's be fair. Like he plays the 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 grounded heavy of their group really, really well. He, he, oh, absolutely. He he, uh, and I'm gonna have to stop saying this soon, but I'm I mean this in a positive way. He brings himself back about a half step so that Montez Ford can go ahead a half step. As far you got as to the, see them evolve, right? I didn't know. Oh, you didn't get to see them no, when they I were didn't. teaming with uh, Touch of Team Dream and all that? No, I didn't. They took on Leon Ruff, go figure, Austin Theory, Harlem Bravado, um, who else? Chris Dickinson. They did. They, they had quite a few matches that evolved. Evolved 114, 123, 124. I didn't know if you saw any of that. but I am not going to lie to you. The only Evolve show that I have seen is the one that got put up on the WWE Network. You know when they were so mean and did such a bad thing, like giving another yeah. company some exposure? Exactly. Oh, I'm I not going to so lie. Rotten. I'm not going to lie. Again, further Destiny Wrestling bias. The only thing that made me tune into that show was knowing that Shotzi Blackheart was on it. And the match that she, I can't even remember who she was facing, but when she took the suicide dive into the four chairs, I was like, that, 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 that's my girl. 
That's Max Chauncey for you. That's the girl that's going to bring hardcore wrestling to the women's division on NXT, and I love it. But that's another but, conversation for another day. If you look at the, it's not what what they had to say was bad. But if you look at the Street Profits promo ability on Raw when they were saying things that weren't totally cringy script garbage, they were exciting. They were motivating they were enticing they got you hyped up for their match or for even when it wasn't their match and they were just telling you about what was on the card oh when they were doing the weird like backstage hosting thing yes yes right and see here's the thing and here's a a good job with that too here's a really weird comparison right how many times do you think you're going to get into a conversation with me or anybody and put the street profits and the miz in the same category yeah, exactly. It almost feels like night and day. <laughs> Literally. But anyway, <laughs> what, but if you remember Miz in his early days, he was marketed as the quote-unquote host of SmackDown. Yes. And I thought that was really good. I thought that was really cool. That was so a, I see that that point, you're, you know, the parallel you're going and hinting towards, and that's a great, great point because I, I could see, you know, Ford being in that position not long from now. Uh, just, just like the next person on your list that I was – so in love with in the straightest yeah. way possible, but yeah, this and, was and, one and of we're, my we're, favorites. We're gonna get to him in a second. I am gonna say though, because we are talking about character as well as in ring ability. Uh, yes. Montez Ford and and, and uh, Angelo Dawkins are obviously a team. They're obviously linked. They've obviously had their success on both and they're rosters. Character driven, and and yep. they have their funny moments, but they could be serious too. And they work so well as a tag team. They are almost constantly in sync no matter what. But even even in promos, right? And the other thing I, I wanted to give them credit for was you say, you know, oh, even though they were sometimes given, like, shitty, cringy material. If you can give me shitty, cringy material and do it well, that's better than giving me good material sometimes because you're that's like the ultimate like creativity flex right exactly they're them as a promo is almost the same as them in the ring in the sense that what's a good comparison montez ford is the jeff hardy okay whereas 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 you know matt hardy is just as good he's just not as flashy so the more the focus goes to Ford. even in a promo like you know, you talk about something like Adam Cole doing the Adam Cole baby, like the call and response thing. It seems like, not with the fans, but it seems like those two guys have a call and response with each other that the only other team I can really think of is when um, the Usos first went from, like, you know, the big guys in the, the bright face paint and the bright shorts to, like, how we know them now. And yeah, they would, dancing they, with the pyro to the Uso penitentiary. That's right. a good point. And they and they would come in to the ring, and they wouldn't even have music playing, and they would just be, like, cutting a promo, and it would be, like, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Very, very similar category to how Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins are. Now, now, Ford and Dawkins are a lot more entertaining, whereas the Usos were a lot more intense. But for me to put them in the same category as the Usos... Uh, please understand, everybody listening to me is incredibly high praise from me. Because those guys, the, the Usos, took their gimmick and changed it on a dime to do what to do what they became, and, and now we see what Jey Uso has become now as well. Um, yeah, I'd love to see Montez Ford shine as a solo. I will say the downside of this is if they come across as a team and then he gets the Cruiserweight Championship, I don't know... How much of a following Dawkins gets as a solo wrestler? I'm just being honest, but interesting enough to try, or it's interesting enough to go for the tag titles when one of you is already the cruiserweight champion, and you can. I know we don't want to double up titles too much, but it is it's an interesting thing to to go up against. Now, I want to talk about promos? Jake, I got a question for you. Yeah. How you doing? We're doing. How you doing? How you doing, baby? How you doing? How you doing? If Sasha Banks had as many dicks out of her as she did in her, she'd look like a porcupine. How you doing? How you doing? (laughs) Good Lord. You want to talk about character and promo over actual in-ring work? Please bring me Enzo Amore. (laughs) And that's the thing that Enzo always had that I was completely in love with. He said it after he got let go. I've mentioned it. Dozens of times on Joe's show and elsewhere, 
but he could not be more right. You have guys shortening their careers by doing these death-defying stunts. Enzo got more of a reaction by shuffling his feet back and forth on the apron. Yep. Yep. How can you argue with that? He said, literally, I'd yeah. shuffle my feet back and forth and go, oh, more, and people would go insane. Even when I was a heel, they'd either boo me or they'd be nuts and cheer me. We would cut these promos so that by the time we got to the match, people would be so hyped up, we would be able to hit two moves and, and end it and not have to showcase the fact that we were green because we had the crowd eating from the palm of our hand. You need that at times. No, you, you eventually have to branch out and, and put on some stellar matches. But they were they were doing that slowly, too. They were getting better in the ring. That's yep. why I hate that, one, they were split up. I, I get the, the drama behind it, and people were surprised, but it, the payoff was so piss poor because we didn't get anything really from either one of them. And so shortly later got let go. He went on this great cruiserweight champion role and, and barely got to utilize what we were given, so... I was going to say, the matches weren't the best, I'll admit that, but Enzo Amore versus King Neville. Come on. Like, that yeah. feud was great. The, the, it the, was, I loved it. It was, like, for you me... can't touch me and getting on his nerves. It sucks that that's why Neville walked. He felt so disrespected, but... But see, like, for me, right, because I'm... You know, I watch AEW now, and because I watch NXT, I do listen to, like, oh, this person's coming from here next, and I keep my ear to the ground a little bit more. You tell me a lot of stuff. Uh, Guapo tells me a lot of stuff. I, I listen to you and Joe, and I hear about some other stuff. But my my view is still pretty WWE-centric, right? So seeing Neville, and I've been watching old old uh, takeovers recently, uh, and seeing, like, like smiling white you know, white bread babyface Neville, uh, and not having seen anything from Pac before that, I think Enzo brought Pac out of Neville, like for the little bit that we got it before Neville went and fucked off to AEW. Yeah, and I, I think it, I think well. it, I think it worked. Like I don't think Enzo was playing particularly a face; he was just playing somebody that was pissing everybody off. But the but uh, what I liked about Enzo is as much as the cruiserweight uh, division as a whole has to be different. It has to be high energy. It has to be like okay, you have to watch these smaller guys because they can do things that other people can't. That exactly. That, they may not have the the size advantage, but the speed makes up for what they lack in power. But I I do want to keep a close eye on that stereotype though. In the because sense... they're they're disproving it often. Right. But that does like I wanna I wanna and we're gonna get there's people specifically in parts two and three of this pod that we're gonna talk about that are gonna be better examples of this right smaller guys that can do things that the bigger guys can't doesn't mean you know 25 rotation hurricane ranas and Canadian destroyers to start the match every night. Yeah, you don't need the super fast hot start off. Yeah. I mean, every now and again to get like a crazy pop. To have these matches start with such explosions also yeah. leads to just total nonsense. And what did, what did Enzo do? Like, his one top rope thing was, like, that weird, like, almost intentionally awkward top rope DDT thing that he did. And it's like, he it, it was like he created one high-flying move to make fun of the high-flyers. Exactly. And, I, and I, I'm like, if that's not intentional, it's an amazing accident. Um, no doubt about I it. I just, as a character, as I still go back to it now, and you know, we we can talk about everything that led to Enzo being released, and you know, the, all the downsides of Me Too, especially when Me Too is bullshit. I, you don't have to agree with me. I'm saying it for my own sake. No, but, but when it's bullshit, that's what, what drives me nuts. You know what I love? The, okay, I, I'm going to go on on a tip for just a second here because we've only got one more person. And that's why you should be able to believe a woman, but you can't. But this is the thing, though, right? I'm going to go on a, on a tear for a little bit. I love the fact that this particular woman, I can't remember her name. She was from Phoenix, so that sticks out in my head. But, like, she makes up all this bullshit about him. Literally costs him his career in many senses, right? Yeah, entirely. He, he gets found innocent, still doesn't get his job back, still doesn't get his life back, writes a song about his experience called Phoenix, and gets labeled as the bad guy again for picking on her. Yes, because he was so misogynistic and, and abusive and, you know, and, and Enzo, he started off really, you know, making his debut in 2003. Yeah. 
even though that's that's really not you know he was he was doing it for Dreamwave Wrestling and it was just various small promotions and um it, it, he was their you know former heavyweight champion I can't even envision how he was doing for those 13 years from 2003 to 16 then obviously he's able to get into NXT and then you know raw not that long after him and big cast make it big so so on and so forth but yeah and unfortunately like you say again I, i'll never understand the idea of breaking them up because a lot like the a lot like the dawkins uh thing that i mentioned a second ago i don't know how many people would have gotten behind cast as a solo act even if the split had been done well i don't think him as a solo like he he was the grounding. He was the base for what was basically the Enzo act. Yeah, because you figure, you know, he really didn't have anything before that. It was just, uh, I was talking about Mustafa Ali, yeah, with Enzo, uh, for his stuff, you know, he starts 2012, he gets into, uh, what was it, Joe DeFranco's training gym because he sent a video to Triple H that he saw on YouTube and then... Triple H is like, holy crap, I like this guy's promo abilities, gets him into NXT, and him and Cass get down there, and that's what it turns into, and they work with Carmella, it, it takes off, becomes white hot, 2017, you know, they, they make it, or what was it, 2016, towards the end in July, I believe they made it to the main, the draft and main yeah. roster, and from there, it was just... Bada bing, bada boom, real guys in the room, and they never had some great angles. They had some okay stuff, but the thing, like the feud with Jericho and Owens, where they, you know, they lost. I was like, well, that's disappointing. Then the whole shark cage stuff, that was oh embarrassing. Brett make him strip down to his by... boxers and try to grease himself out of the out of the trap and shit. Yeah, exactly. Losing against the club, you know, Luke uh, and Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows. Um, being eliminated by Lesnar in the Rumble, like they they didn't have anything. They lost uh, fusing feuding with Enzo. Uh, excuse me, fu- Enzo and Cass lost feuding with Rusev and Jinder. Like they, they just they never had a stellar run. They constantly just lost and lost and lost. And had WWE put any real effort behind them and given them a chance to succeed, they really could have been something super special. I will say though, and this is probably something that worked against him in the long run. But he's a lot like, um, I mean, did you see the Eli Drake match last night with Bronson Reed? Yes. yes. So, okay, so you're going to... Which a lot of people are saying he's buried already. No, that's crap. Um, He's doing doing a very difficult role, which is go out there and be the guy that thinks he's the star of the show and then get comically destroyed. Well, who was, like, realistically, who was better at going out there and pissing absolutely everybody off and then getting absolutely comically destroyed? Enzo Amore. Oh, Enzo was like, great about it. Like, I, I love the guy, but he, he took an he ass beat. ego, you know, bigger than anybody's in the room. Yep. And he couldn't back it up, but he thought he could. And that's what made it yeah. so just damn entertaining. Yeah. And, I mean, before we get off... Enzo, we'd be remiss if we didn't end it sort of on a on a happy note. Just uh, the recent news with uh, Cass getting over some of the stuff that he's been dealing. I know he's not a cruiserweight, but I'm going to stick no, in here anyway. Yeah, um, I mean, just really nice to hear. Like, I'm not going to indie scene. Yeah, like I'm I'm obviously not going to see like if they're at some indie show. I'm it's not going to make its way up to me unless it hits YouTube. But it's just nice to know that it's out there. It's happening. just it's a, it's a happy feeling to know that something went right for yeah. once. I like the uh, there is, I think it was in Times Square, when the last day of Enzo's like legal bullshit with the chick from Phoenix, like it was his last day in court. He was fully acquitted because obviously he didn't do anything. But innocent dudes don't exist in 2021. It's fine. Nope. But when he got out of his car in Times Square in New York, there's there's footage of it. And the amount of people that just got behind him because they knew he got fucked and they pulled himself back out of it. Like, yeah. he, he wasn't there. He wasn't there to perform. He wasn't there to, like, pr- like do a rap or a, or a musical performance. He obviously wasn't there to wrestle because there was nobody to wrestle. But just no. the amount of people that were just like, dude, you almost got fucked and we're happy you didn't get fucked. And I saw that, and it was just, it was a shitty cell phone, like, Instagram video of a couple of seconds of response. And holy crap. 
if you could bottle that response and put it in an arena, Vince could make some money. Yeah, no kidding. He he would he would be a very happy camper. That's for damn sure. And I just you know what? Like it's one of the few times that I will say this. I don't care if it is on the main roster. I don't care if it is on Raw or SmackDown. I just want Enzo back on my TV in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, NXT Cruiserweight Division would be great because NXT is my brand and I have my biases, etc., etc. I just want him to pop back up somewhere. Everybody said, like, oh, you know, um, he's going to show up in AEW and that's going to totally ruin AEW. I hope it does go ruin AEW. Let him go bitch slap friggin' Cody Rhodes in the face. Look at, look at the reaction he got when he bought a ticket to SummerSlam a couple years ago. Yeah, no kidding. You can't put a price on that. Or Survivor Series, right? Survivor Series, sorry. You can't put a price on that. More people were watching him being a dickhead in the crowd than were watching the match. He trended more than the that night than, than anything WWE did. And then one uh, WrestleMania, didn't he show up at an ROH show that was happening the same night as the Hall of Fame or... Yeah, something Some, like that. One, oh, one it was shows. the uh, New Japan ROH like super show thing. Yeah, they showed up there, him and Big Cast. You, you know, you'd know more about that stuff than I would, obviously. I, I'm I'm terrible with all the history and names, but yep, yeah, it's uh. But like. That's for sure. So that's I've always been a big proponent of theirs. Like you said, Big Cast is doing much better. He's sober. Yeah. He's looking amazing. He's extremely healthy now. Fucking bring it. I'm all for it. And yeah. then before I do got to get out of here, last but not least, we have the one of my favorites is Mustafa Ali. Like I said to you earlier, one of the best, best matches I had seen in person for a long time was Mustafa Ali taking on Neville. And that was at a SmackDown 205 live taping. Yeah, It was stellar. Just absolutely incredible. He was the one that was, was studying uh, starting in 2003. As I was saying before, I, I was still on. I was going to Mustafa. We were still talking about <laughs> Enzo. Yeah. So he started in 2003. He was in different, you know, promotions and circuits uh, all the way to 2016. That's when uh, Zumbi was not able to wrestle, so Ali got the chance to replace him in the CWC. And then uh, from there, he was obviously eliminated by Lince Dorado, but there was such a big fanfare about him and that people liked him that he came back, and he and Dorado entered the Dusty Tag Team Classic together. They were taken out by Kota Bushi and TJ Perkins, but from there he made a name for himself, going through the whole cruiserweight stuff and a little bit of NXT. And obviously we know that he went to the main roster, competed for a little bit, started to get a push, shortened his name to Ali, became Mustafa Ali again. Mustafa uh, was a, Ali. Was a, was a SmackDown hacker, and oh then wasn't started retribution and now they're no more so i'm not sure what they're doing with him it again makes no sense but that's why he would be one of the key elements to add to nxt's cruiserweight division they would fully flesh it out he's a great evil leader he's also a really good face he can get people behind uh, behind him with his police uh, expertise and background and you know that good guy motif. So either See, way, the sad, the sad thing about that, and I, and this is one of these things that I'm actively not going to try and turn into a political conversation for once. Right now, I don't think WWE would overly highlight the police thing. No, no, no. Certainly I, not. Well, I, uh, it's an option they have in their back pocket if if the temperature changes in the climate of social. Anxiety, right. you know, that's really, I was, but, I have to but say, my point is, it's easy to get behind as a face. We've seen it work before, and he's also somebody that's a fantastic heel. So he's multifaceted, he's, he's well diverse, he's very talented, he's great in the ring, he works through injuries, he doesn't, you know, allow anything to slow him down. So, well, apparently, he's working through an injury right now, that's why they fast tracked the retribution breakup. Mm. That's Again, only things that I've heard, nothing concrete, obviously, but apparently the idea is they were going to break up, they were going to do that retribution breakup angle on night one of WrestleMania, but he's been having some uh, long-standing... Yeah, um, he's having issues that he's not having surgery for, but he can't wrestle injured till then. And I was banging my head saying, you have four of the members of the stable, yeah. why, do he, why does he have to wrestle when you have them? made no sense so i will say though like it's a credit to him because in a weird way retribution was a highlight of raw because it was one of those things where it's like okay how goofy is it going to be this week so 
it was it was a morbid fascination, but everybody I think everybody in a different way was doing a okay, what are they gonna do this week type thing. We're gonna put a brick through a window that's already broken, or we're gonna cut the ropes with a weed whacker or whatever. As goofy as that group was, for a split second when it was revealed that he was the leader, I thought Okay, this might be salvaged. It wasn't. Yeah, this it, it wasn't, wasn't, but but it wasn't his fault. He tried like no other to yeah. make it worthwhile. He did everything in his power yeah. to make this group work. He did. And I didn't. The very I, I would have never could. even even when it was rumored that he was going to be revealed as the SmackDown hacker. I never would have pitched him as a heel. I I I. I just, you not, just not, didn't see him in that. that yeah, not that, not so. that I don't not that I don't think he's capable, but I just it wouldn't have been something to to come first to mind. Yeah, you just you just didn't right? foresee it. That and way. I, no, honestly, I'm going to say I, I like him better as a heel than I do as a babyface. I've I've seen him, you know, do some brief things previously as a heel, and and he's been very 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 impressive. So. Yeah. He's like I said. He's been all over the place. He's wrestled a bunch of people. So he often, you know, used a mask just to avoid discrimination. And really, yeah, he was he was wrestling during the day and then doing night shifts as an actual police officer in Chicago. Oh, and okay. because of because of the you know Mustafa Ali name and the uh, Muslim hate that was going around, especially closer to 2003 onwards, Jesus. he went ahead and wore a mask just to avoid having to deal with it, you know, going through Proving Ground Pro, Wrestling Circus, the NWA, uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, IWA Mid-South, Freelance Wrestling, uh, AAW, I, I can keep going. I mean, that's the point. So he's been everywhere. Yeah. It's funny, though, that we mentioned, like, the other the other shows, right? Because... We, we talk about main roster WWE, and it's basically on the one side, there's main roster WWE, and the other side, there's NXT. But realistically, if you look at it on one side, there's the main roster WWE, and on the other side, there's sort of like the network roster of WWE, which is like NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, Cruiserweight Classic, May Young Classic, Dusty Classic, and as you say, Mustafa Ali was in the Cruiserweight Classic, which is sort of NXT-adjacent. He was in the Dusty Classic, which is sort of NXT-adjacent. So the fact that he never actually had an NXT run is... It's almost bizarre. Not, like, not totally out of the realm of possibility, but it's like a... Like somebody we're going to talk about uh, in a couple of podcasts from now, Cedric Alexander, is like, he was heavily associated with the Cruiserweight division, but was never really an NXT guy, and Ali being the same way... Um, I think it'd be cool to see him in NXT because I think he'd be an asset as a talent, as a character, I think, but also for him personally, that would be a great title to throw around his waist. And specifically, he's a guy I could see carrying that belt and having a nice long NXT style title run. Yeah, I could certainly see that as well. And it would work out in more ways than one. No, no doubt about it. And then, like, <laughs> the next time the next time Survivor Series comes around and it's like, oh, he's got a match with so-and-so because somebody from Raw wants a shot at the Cruiserweight title or something, something very Survivor Series-ish, and his old members of Retribution come back, but they're not masked anymore, and it's just Shane Thorne and Dominic Dijakovic and Dio Madden and Mia Yim just come and kick the shit <laughs> out of them. <laughs> He disbands the group. Well, the group. Well, actually, the group walked away from him technically. So if he, if the group, walked, the group walked away from him, and he walked away from Raw to go to NXT, it's like, oh well, you didn't want to handle your unfinished business retribution. Where's my paper plate face? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, that's the end of round one. We got two more rounds to go. Um, won't be next week because next week we're talking about takeover, but. Final thoughts before we close this baby up. Um, I, as we said, I mean, we've got a lot to look into, and I'm excited to see who else we have to go through the, you know, the names of the next two episodes, plus as well as stand and deliver. I can't wait to cover that with you next week. So hell yeah! And, and guys, there are some names that we're going to talk about from AEW. So maybe yes, not just WWE, not just NXT, and not just NXT UK. So so unclench your sphincters a little bit. It's going to be okay. 
Anyways, Jake, tell them where to find you. You can find me on Twitter at Countdown Ended. And you can also find me on the Joe Cronin Show as a co-host over there. We cover AEW and WWE pay-per-views and television shows. So as soon as they go off the air, we go live. And you guys know where to find me, or you wouldn't be here. I've been Spaz. He's been Jake. We are the NXT Reality Checks. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I'll talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, me and Super Sexy Jake are tagging out. Bye, guys. Bye.